Hello, friends, and welcome to Fuel, the official podcast of Friends Southwest, a family of churches whose mission is fueling a spirit-led movement where Jesus changes people to change the world. I'm your host, Heidi Matson. It's our hope each episode to bring you helpful information, engage meaningful conversations, and provide moments of inspiration to help fuel you as you follow Jesus and care for his church. Every once in a while, I hear something too good not to share. And a few weeks ago, I heard a sermon by one of our very own pastors that moved me deeply, and I believe it will have the same effect on you. It's an inspirational story of a man who has faced and continues to face a terminal diagnosis. But as he walks this journey, he does so with a deep conviction to leave a real legacy. He has a desire to live in the overcoming power of God and to inspire others to believe that God truly is good. He's one of our very own, and his name is Jay Hewitt. If you have heard part of Jay's story before, I assure you you're going to want to continue listening because he has learned much on this journey that has spanned several years of his life now. While Jay has received some national attention and spoken all over the country, even having a documentary be made about portions of his life, this message is delivered from his home church, where Jay is raw, honest, authentic, inspiring, and deeply connected to the Holy Spirit. I believe as you listen, you will be moved, you will be inspired, and you will be challenged to live out the purpose God has called you to. Blessings, my friends, as you listen to Jay share his story. Hey, friends, it is good to be with you. Let's talk about tonight, let's talk about keeping it together, especially when life knocks you down. Let's talk about where our strength comes from. Now, I know what you're thinking. Well, Jay's strength obviously comes from the stash. It's got nothing to do with it. I'm not a Samson. It has nothing to do with it. Love it or hate it, it's got nothing to do with it. What I'm here to do tonight is simply boast in my weakness. I'm going to boast in my weakness and give glory to God. And hopefully as I do this, you'll get a picture of what it looks like to have God make our weakness into strength. If I haven't met you, my name's Jay. My wife's name is Natalie, and I've got a young daughter named Hero. So I'm a dad, I'm an Iron Man, and people have started calling me Iron Dad. Because I, uh, I did Iron Man for my daughter. Right? And some of you are thinking to yourself, What's Iron Man got to do with your daughter? Well, for me, it was this grand gesture of love. It was a way for me to write a love letter to her with my life. Because I've been writing letters to my daughter for a long time. On her first birthday, I wrote her a letter, I filled the pages with affirmation, and then I sealed it with wax. I took an iron stamp, and I pressed and imprinted my initial in the back. And then I took this letter and six after it, and I've hidden them away. And I imagined when I started this six years ago that I would hand her the stack of letters in a moment where she needed them most. Maybe the first time her heart's been broken. 
Maybe when she's graduating college and she needs a little extra encouragement to go after her dreams. Or maybe it's when she loses her dream. What I never imagined, I never imagined that my wife might hand the stack of letters to my daughter at my memorial service. You see, I've been diagnosed with brain cancer. I've been told that it's terminal. And the doctors have told me I may only have four more letters to write my daughter. The diagnosis, devastating, provided me with an opportunity. Because words only go so far. But I realized I had an opportunity to write my daughter a love letter with my life. This is how it came to be. My wife and I, sitting in a doctor's office, heard the three words you never want to hear. You have cancer. And then our doctor was so straightforward, she wanted us to understand this is terminal. My wife started crying. I put my hand on her leg to comfort her. And then I braced myself. I braced myself for the fight of my life, to fight for my life. And then we went home. My wife collapsed into my chest. We gently crumbled onto the bed and we cried. What would you do after you received news like that? I'll tell you what I did. I went to Dunkin' Donuts. <laughs> the next day I dropped my daughter off at school. I went to Dunkin' Donuts to drown my sorrows with a maple bar. And I parked in the parking lot and I had a conversation with God. Very straightforward. Now, I wasn't angry with him. I already worked through that when I lost my dad very suddenly. I was confused. And so in a very straightforward conversation, I simply said this, God, what are you doing? What are you doing? And then he answered me, not with an audible voice, but in the same way that Jesus promised the Holy Spirit would guide and teach us. He would remind us of Jesus' teaching. And so instantly, my mind went to 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 8 through 10, a place in Scripture that I didn't have memorized at the time. But the Spirit of Jesus said in that Scripture, my grace will be sufficient. My power is perfected in weakness. When I am weak, then I am strong. You see, this was said to Paul because Paul had some kind of mysterious ailment or some kind of problem. Nobody really knows because he just calls it a thorn in his flesh. Some commentators uh, hypothesize that it might be a medical condition. I like to think that it is now because just as Paul had a thorn in his flesh, I had a tumor in my brain. And just as Paul had said, he said, I prayed three times for the Lord to take it away. Three in the Bible means a number of completeness. He had prayed it through and through, and I had done the same thing. And Paul received the same answer that I received in that doctor's office. No. But then the Spirit of Jesus went on to explain to Paul, my grace is going to be sufficient. My power is going to be perfected in your weakness. And so Paul concluded after hearing that, well, then when I'm weak, I'm strong. And in that Dunkin' Donuts parking lot, my heart was convinced of the exact same thing. When I'm weak, then I'm strong. And I felt satisfied getting that answer. I was no longer confused. I had a sense that a different prayer was being answered. See, I'd been praying to be able to connect deeply with my daughter and my wife. And I got this sense that I needed to allow my weakness to show. I needed to become vulnerable 
with them if I truly wanted to connect on a deep, deep level. And I had a sense that at my weakest moment, I was going to be the strongest that I've ever been and do something that I never thought I could do. And so I left and I drove home. And when I got home, I prayed a very important, pivotal prayer. I said, all right, God, you kindly explained what you're doing. Now will you help me out and let me know how I can cooperate? You see, those two prayers, prayer together, you can pray that at any point in your life. Those are powerful prayers. God, what are you doing? Where are you working? How can I cooperate? How can I join you? Of course, of course I don't want to walk this path. Nobody wants to walk the path that I'm walking. And yet, I believed in Jesus' promise to me. And so I accepted it, and I turned my heart towards Jesus and said, okay, if this is the path I have to walk, how can I cooperate? How can I join you? I took a walk around the block, and I felt that God answered me again, not, not as strongly as the first prayer, but out of nowhere as I was walking, this idea came to me to do Iron Man. That's a ridiculous idea. And a lot of people think that Iron Man was on my bucket list. It wasn't. It wasn't at all. I've never even ran a marathon up to that point. That didn't sound fun to me. So in Iron Man, I was like, where did that come from? But I just remembered seeing Iron Man when I was like 10 years old and thinking to myself, those people are superhuman. I could never do that. And I just kind of put it away because that's the truth. When I look at Iron Man, uh, in my strongest moment, I think that's, that's not me. There's, there's no way I could do that. And I thought, huh, what if? At my weakest, I try and I attempt something that I don't even believe I can do at my strongest. And I thought, what if, what if I allow my daughter to see me knocked down? Because there was no way that she wasn't going to see me knocked down. What if I allow her to see me knocked down? But what if I also take the opportunity to allow her to see me get back up and press on? So I thought, I'm doing Iron Man. Now I had to pass it by the wife. So I walked inside. I said, this sounds crazy, but Natalie, what do you think? And Natalie's a wise, wise woman. And she said, I think you should go for it. Then I passed it through a mentor of mine. I said, sounds ridiculous, but what if, while I'm going through treatment for brain cancer, what if I start training for Ironman? And he said, I think, I think you should go for it. And so I told my daughter, honey, while I go through treatment, I'm going to do Iron Man for you. I'm doing it for you as a grand gesture of love. And so that's how I came to the decision. That's how I came to the decision. But this is where I feel like I might lose you. Some of you don't know what Iron Man is. So let me tell you, Iron Man is like this mega triathlon. Basically, some crazy folks took three really hard endurance races, and then just shoved them all together. So it's 140.6 miles of racing. It's 2.4 miles of swimming, and then right after swimming, you jump on the bike and do 112 miles riding, and then when you're done with that, you just top it all off with a marathon. So you got to do that consistently. You've got to do it in under 17 hours, so no lollygagging. you gotta, you got to go after it. And so that's what Ironman is. Now, I'm not here to challenge any of you to do an Ironman. That is unnecessary. Okay, so what's an iron dad? Because I am here to challenge all of you to live with an iron dad level of faith. An iron dad is any person. You don't have to do a triathlon. You don't even have to be a dad. An iron dad is any person 
who's committed to teaching by example, who's dedicated to handing down a life of love and resilience and faith and strength. And I believe there is an Iron Man in each, or an Iron Dad in each one of you. And I want to call you to that very similarly to how Paul called Titus to teach faith by example. In Titus chapter 2, verses 6 and 7, it says this In the same way, encourage the young men to live wisely. And you yourself must be an example to them by doing good works of every kind. Let everything you do reflect the integrity and seriousness. Of your teaching. Paul's saying, be so serious about the scriptures that you actually live them out. And I want to point out one word to you, the word example. You all know what the word example means? Of course you do. But the word example, it's translated from a Greek word, tupo. And tupo is a powerful word. It's really a word picture. And what it means is it's a mark made by impact. It's an imprint And so when I got this word picture as I studied the Greek, you know what it took my mind back to? It took my mind back to these letters that I wrote, Hero. Because the next generation, their hearts are like soft wax, impressionable for good or for bad. And our actions leave an imprint. Our actions have an impact for good or for bad. And so I want to ask you, what kind of impact are you making with your life, with your day-to-day actions? That's what the idea of Tupo is all about. You can make an impact and make sure you're making a mark for Jesus. And so I saw my opportunity. So when the first day of radiation came, I ran one mile. I started training. I ran one mile on the first day of radiation and chemotherapy. I'd already gone through a very, very high-risk brain surgery. I had a ping-pong ball-sized tumor right at the center of my brain. Very, very high risk. They had to keep me awake for the surgery, which is insane. And the likelihood that uh, this would be a successful surgery was very low. But I came out, and it was 100% successful with zero brain damage. Because The presence of God was with me, and his hand was guiding the hand of the surgeon. I believe that with with not a doubt. And just as soon as my body had recovered enough to start radiation and chemo, I also started training. I ran one mile. Any of you ever set a goal to uh, to do some kind of fitness thing? You know how hard it is to get out of bed and to actually do that? Yeah. So for me, it was even harder. And I'm not bragging like, oh, I did this. I'm boasting in my weakness. Let me tell you how weak I was. As I started radiation and chemotherapy, just coming out of this brain surgery, I had extreme nausea, headache, and fatigue. So when my alarm would go off and I'd have to get out of bed and train everything in me, my entire flesh didn't want to do it. But I made a promise to my daughter And it was relying on the promise that God had made me. And so I'd pray a very simple prayer. God, give me strength. And every day, he gave me strength to complete what I needed to complete. And so after five five weeks of radiation, one mile turned to 10, turned to 20. Then I had to start swimming. I got in the pool. 
I knew how to keep my head above water. I didn't really know how to swim. And I, and I swam 50 meters, and I was done, out of gas. And I thought, whoa, if I've got to go 3,200 meters, I don't know if I'm going to be able to do that. But I kept showing up. I kept praying, God, give me strength. And sure enough, about five weeks later, I was up to two miles. Then I got on the bike. I thought the bike would be the easiest. Any of you think the bike would be the easiest? Yeah, I thought the bike would be the easiest. It wasn't because chemotherapy causes muscle cramping. And so as I worked my way up to about 40 miles, all of a sudden I experienced severe cramping, and I strained my back. And I was out for quite some time, but I was able to get back on. And every time I'd pray, God, give me strength. And soon enough, I was riding 100 miles. Then I had to start combining those things. And I thought, there's, there's no way. I, I don't know if my body can handle this. And that was the thought from the very beginning. Can someone's body who's going through cancer treatment actually handle Iron Man? With all the nausea, the headache, the fatigue, the cramping, is it possible? But God provided an amazing coach. I'd never met her in my life. But she was in Boise, and she heard about me, I heard about her. She has competed in multiple Ironman. She was a uh, world championship fi finalist, and uh, she survived breast cancer. So she knew what it took to train. She knew what uh, toll chemotherapy and radiation took on the body, and so she would augment my training uh, program as I went. And she told me, Jay, the hardest part of Ironman is going to be getting to the starting line healthy enough to attempt. That's all you need to focus on. And it was hard. It was really hard, and then it got harder. My race was scheduled in Australia March of 2020. Anybody know what happened in 2020? <laughs> little historical event. Uh, so COVID-19 came on this, the scene, and it made it so much harder. And let me tell you why. I was ready to go. I was in Ironman shape, race ready. And then the race in Australia got canceled. Okay. Well, I'll defer. There's a race in, in California in July. Okay, I've got to stay in shape, got to keep tra training these long hours, but I can do that. Then that race got canceled. Okay, all right, there, there's one uh, in Florida. Maybe, maybe that'll be it. But, but here's the thing. It was taking such a toll on my family. See, when I started, I thought, this is brilliant. I'm on medical leave, and so I'll drop Hero off at school. My wife will go to work, and I'll train. But then when the pandemic came, everything changed. Now my daughter's at home, my wife is working from home and also having to take care of my daughter's schooling, and I'm gone. They wake up, I'm already gone. This is high mileage training. I'm already gone. Abandoned my wife to take care of everything. I did Ironman to bring my family together, to build connections. And now it seemed like it was working against me. And I thought, I'm going to have to quit. But as soon as that thought came into my mind, I also thought, but I made a promise to my daughter. What am I going to do? So Iron Man called me because at this point I was an Iron Man spot sponsored athlete. Not because of my strength or my stamina or my speed, because of my story. So they heard that I was doing this for my daughter while I was going through cancer treatment, and they picked me up as one of their athletes. And they called me and I told them, hey, I don't think I can keep deferring. I don't think I can hold off. And they said, well, what if, what if you compete in our first ever historic full distance VR race, a virtual race? I'm like, what's that? They said, well, you know, your training watch that you have, we're going to hook up your watch to an app 
It's going to track your mileage and your time, and that will, that will have you compete against other athletes. I'm like, yeah, but you mean I have to do this alone? They said, yeah, yeah, you do it alone, but you're competing virtually. And I'm like, that's not going to help me when I'm competing alone. And they said, but the cool thing is you can, you can plan your own, your own course. I'm like, wait, so it's up to me to plan 140 miles worth of, of terrain and create my own transition stations and staff it with people. That's on me. And they said, yeah, isn't that a great idea? They're like, it's going to be awesome. We'll, we'll do an athlete spotlight on you before. We'll send some of the crew that's normally working for ABC at Kona. They'll follow you during the race. And then at, at the end of it all, we'll do an interview with you, a live interview. I'm like, what? I don't know. That could be kind of cool, but this sounds crazy. Let me talk to my wife. So I talked to Natalie, and she understands how much work it's going to be. And she's been, she's been left alone for a long time. And I was a little nervous to go and ask her what she thought about this. And she said, Jay, it was really, really sweet and romantic that you wanted to do the race in Australia as a family. And when an English professor like my wife uses the word romantic, she doesn't mean like sweep me off my feet. She means... Um, unrealistic. <laughs> so, so she said, that was, you know, that was romantic, and, and I, I appreciate the gesture. However, now you get to do it at home where more friends can support you. And then she pointed something out that I didn't think of. She said, now you can set up the finish line at home. And I thought, I can be racing home to my family you know, up to that point, when I was thinking about racing on my own, I thought, how am I going to find the motivation to keep going? But then when I thought about getting back to my family, I thought, that's going to be all the motivation that I need. And so I told Iron Man, yes, I'll do it. And before I knew it, race day was there. 4 a.m., 4 a.m., my uh, alarm goes off, darkest night. And I check in with myself, and I feel good. No nausea, no headache, no fatigue, probably a lot of adrenaline. And I pray, God, even though I'm feeling good, I need you. Give me strength today. And I roll out of bed, check all my gear, load it up in the van, and I head down to Newport Beach. We get to the back bay. And there in the back bay is this wedding gazebo. And a starting ceremony uh, was arranged for me. And there was like 75 of my friends there. The sun hadn't even got, come up yet, but they all got up to support me. And a friend of mine flew out from, from Arizona, and he did the opening ceremony. And he prayed for me, and they all prayed for me. And when they said I, amen, I went over to the starting line, and I put my feet on the starting line. Everybody came around, and there was a countdown. Three, two, one. And then my wife and my daughter had the bullhorn, and they sounded the horn. I hit start on my watch, and I charged for the water. As I dove in the water, it was so cold, but it woke me up. And I started swimming. I started pulling and kicking, pulling and kicking. And the cool thing about where I started is there's this long footbridge, probably like 10 feet above the water. And all my friends ran over there, and they were yelling and screaming and cheering for me. I look up, like every time I would take a breath, I'd look up, and I see a couple people with these huge Iron Dad flags. They're running back and forth. They're waving it all around. And it, it's kind of fun, you know, and, and I'm swimming. And every time I look up, I see something new. And halfway down that bridge, I look up, and I see my daughter. The sun is just starting to rise. I see my daughter, and we connected. And she smiled, and she waved. And I just... 
was in the perfect point in my stroke where I was right here, and I could wave back to her. And she started, she started jumping up and down. She started waving, going crazy. And I learned in that moment that the joy of the Lord is our strength. And I started pulling harder, kicking harder, going faster. And about a mile into my swim, I fell into this deep meditation on the Lord's prayer. And it was transformational. I found the strength to forgive someone from my past. that I've forgiven to a certain level, but I was able to forgive from my very depths and just let go. And I came out of the water with the strength to forgive, and I came out of the water a new man. And I wasn't even tired. It felt like it was a good warm-up. I put, put on my, my bicycle shoes, got on the bike, and I headed uh, down PCH. I actually headed up PCH. And the sun was just uh, starting to rise, all the colors were lighting up, and PCH is one of the most beautiful bike rides that you can take. People fly from all over the world to ride PCH, and so I'm just thanking God that I get to do this this day, and when I come up to the first major intersection, two police cars pull up next to me. Uh-oh, am I in trouble? No, they blow by me, and they shut down the intersection so I could just blow right through it. I was like, <laughs> It was so good. A retired lieutenant who goes to this church arranged it so that I had a police escort all the way up PCH. I rode up to uh, the Queen Mary, and then I headed inland. And as I headed inland, I started making my way back, and I felt good. I made it to Yorba Regional Park. I was hours ahead of schedule. I was having a good day. I get off of the bike, and I see my daughter. She comes she gives me a big hug and she knocks me down. And I think, oh, maybe I'm not as strong as I think. <laughs> but put my running shoes on and I take off running. And the first two miles, I was going faster than I imagined. I thought, ooh, I'm, gonna, I'm just going to crush my time. This is going to be awesome. But two miles into it, all of a sudden, it got me. I knew chemotherapy, radiation, the surgery. I knew somehow my treatment was going to battle me, and it was two miles in the run that it finally happened. I was so worried about cramping because what I experienced on the bike during training, I was so afraid of cramping. The only way to combat that is through nutrition. And so I had a great nutrition plan. I was sticking on my nutrition plan. But what I didn't know was that my gut was not absorbing any of the nutrition. The more I ate, the more I drank. It just all sat in my stomach, which on the bike was fine because your, your stomach is stationary as you're pedaling. But when I started running and you're starting to jump up and down, all of a sudden I knew, oh, this isn't going to go well. And I knew that nothing else was going to be able to go in, not an, a drop of water. I had a full marathon in front of me. There's no way that a person can do a whole marathon without drinking water. And I thought, this is it. This could be the end of my race. I'm going to go as far as I can, but there's a good chance that my body's just going to cramp up. And Iron Man loves that. They have all this footage of people just cramping, and then they crawl across the finish line. And they're like, oh, how hard is this race? You know? uh, but I'm thinking, if I've got 10 miles to go, 20 miles to go, there's no way I can crawl my way to the finish line. No matter how much uh, mental strength that I have, if my body fails on me, my body fails on me. And I, I changed my mantra in that moment. I started to say to myself over and over, you've got nothing to prove, just an example to set. You've got nothing to prove, just an example to set. And I realized 
that there's strength in the attempt. It's not the outcome, it's the attempt. And I thought to myself, if I don't make it, I'm going to at least be able to look my daughter in the eye and say, I gave it my all for you. Gave it my all. I kept pressing on, kept going, kept going. Pretty soon I was 10 miles into the race or into the, the marathon, 10 miles. And I ran by this church down the horse trail there. And there were people there at the aid stations trying to give me water, cheering me on. I couldn't even wave and say thanks. I was just like, keep going, keep going, keep going. It felt like I was running a marathon in the stomach flu. And I kept going. And then my coach from Boise, who'd flown out for my race, she brought her running shoes with her. She heard that I was in trouble. She found the next aid station. She put on her shoes and she ran with me. Who's running with you in this marathon of faith? Who are you shoulder to shoulder with helping? Because there is strength in the saints. There is strength in community. You can go further when people bear your burdens. And you better be bearing one another's burdens if we're going to make this thing. So she started running beside me and she started troubleshooting with me. Now she's, she's a veteran. I'm a rookie. And she was able to ask me some questions that I never even thought of. She handed me some salt tablets, and she told me to put them under my tongue so that they'd go into my, my bloodstream, and then I'd start uh, absorbing the, the nutrients. And she was right. I could, I could literally feel the nutrients going into me. And I knew I can take a drink. And I took a drink of water, and it stayed down. And I took another drink, and I thought, I have a chance. My race isn't over. She saved my race. And sure enough, the sun went down, still had like 15 miles to go. And that's a trip, by the way. Starting a race when the sun's down, racing through the day, and then having the sun go down and you're not done. But as the sun went down, Placentia PD showed up. And they, uh, they went ahead of me and behind me. <laughs> and it was really cool. They, uh, they had their lights going, and then they started playing music for me. <laughs> And they, they started cheering for me, like, over the loudspeaker. Like, hey, you're doing good. Keep going. Keep going. And I did. I kept going. And soon I turned into my neighborhood. And in the distance, I could see lights. I could hear music. And I could hear my friends having a good time. There was a party waiting for me at my house. And it, it spurred me on. And I kept going. And I was excited. I couldn't wait to get to them. And it was hard. You know, never say, oh, you only have five more miles. That means you went 135 miles, and you still have five miles to go. But nevertheless, I was excited to get there. And as I turned the corner onto my street, all my friends were there, and, and I ran through a passageway of support as they were cheering for me. Some of them came, fell in behind me, and ran me in. But when I looked at the finishing structure, all lit up, under the structure was my wife and my daughter, holding the Iron Man finishing tape. And as soon as I saw them, I focused only on them. Everything else blurred, and I floated to the finish line. I crossed the finish line. I reunited with my family, and I kissed my wife. And then I got down on one knee to my daughter, and I said, Hero, if I can do it, you can do it. Whatever, whatever dreams God puts in your heart, you can do it. Anything is possible with God. So hold on to the hope of Jesus when life knocks you down, hero. Find strength in his spirit and then get up, stay strong, and press on.
if I can do it, you can do it. And I say the same thing to you tonight. If I can do it, you can do it. Because I am nothing special, but I have got a special God who is a powerful God. So whatever dreams God puts in your heart, nothing is impossible. Whatever calling he places on your life, nothing is impossible. Even when life knocks you down and you don't feel like you can keep it together anymore, hold on to the hope of Jesus. Find strength in his spirit. Get up. Stay strong and press on. Finish the race of faith. Fight the good fight and cross the finish line, not in your own strength, but in the strength of Jesus. Because it's at your weakest moment, it's at your weakest moment that you have a chance to make the greatest impact. It's in your weakness that God's power is displayed. And so whatever happens, maybe you're in it right now or maybe it's going to hit you in a year, but when it does... What are you going to do? There's always something, isn't there? There's always something. So what is your obstacle right now? What's your opportunity? You're going to find your opportunity in the obstacle. And I am telling you, there is someone from the next generation that is looking to you, and how you respond when something hits you hard is going to make a huge impact on their life. You have a chance to make a mark of Jesus on their hearts by the way that you respond. So what are you going to do? I'm going to tell you what you're going to do. You're going to teach by example. And you're going to show them love and resilience and faith and strength. You're going to show them a love that's unmerited, unconditional, a pure love. You're going to show them a resilience that endures, has determination, grit, who perseveres to keep promises. You're going to show them a faith that always trusts, never veers, never wavers, an enduring faith. And when you show them that faith, they are going to see a strength, a strength that is beyond you, but it's deep inside of you because it is a spiritual strength that is spurred on by the Holy Spirit. God's Spirit is the most powerful thing on this planet, and it is in you. Have you wrestled with that? The Spirit of God that was in Jesus is now in you. That's the Spirit that when Jesus was in the garden and nothing in his flesh wanted to face the suffering of the cross, when he asked God, is there any other way? It was the Spirit of God that enabled him to say, not my will, but your will. And then when he was suffering on the cross, it was the Spirit of God that allowed him, when everybody had abandoned him, when all his enemies were mocking him, he found the strength to forgive. And he prayed, Father, forgive these. They, they don't know what they're doing. And then when darkness came over the land, and Jesus breathed his last, and it seemed like it was over, that was just the beginning of the fight. The Spirit of God took death on in an epic battle, and he overcame death, and then went into Jesus' body, resurrected him, and now we all have victory, and we all have access to the resurrecting power of Jesus Christ. So if God puts a calling on your life, a dream in your heart, and you think, am I able to do this? No, you're not. Within your own strength, you don't have it. But anything is possible with God. Anything is possible with God, so you go for it. And you don't rely on your own strength, you actually boast in your weakness. 
The more you talk about your weakness, the more you let your, your weakness show, the more God gets the glory. And God is a glorious God. And so the first step of making that mark, that Tupo kind of mark, the first step that I'm going to give you is actually to sign your own mark. You're probably handed one of these as you came in. And I know in church you get a lot of handouts, but this is the best gift that I can give to you. This is the Iron Dad Creed. And you can sign your name right where it says iron. You can just sign your name in there if you want to take on this creed. But you want to know what this is? This isn't some crazy doctrine. This is really uh, Titus 2, 6 through 7 lived out. So many people ask me, how did you do it? Sportscasters, broadcasters, podcasters, they all ask me, how did you do it? And when I've thought long and hard about it, it's this. I decided that I was going to teach by example and that I was going to hand a life down to my daughter that's determined by love, resilience, faith, and strength. That's how I did it. By the power of Jesus, this is possible. Listen, finishing Iron Man is hard. This is harder. The Spirit of Jesus allows this to be accomplished, but this is nothing compared to this. Leaving a mark on someone's heart of faith in Jesus, this is eternal. This is what our lives are meant for. And there's an iron dad in each and every one of you. And so I give you this gift, but it's up to the Spirit of God to make it happen. Friends Church, you're awesome. Stay strong, press on, and God's going to do amazing things through you. Thanks for having me.